On today's Locked On Thunder podcast, the Oklahoma City Thunder proved to be elite thanks to this trait against the L.A. Clippers. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, me member, and lead beat writer for InsideTheThunder.com, Ryland Styles. Follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. Follow the show on Twitter at LOThunderPod. Email the show, LOThunderPod at gmail.com. On today's show, we're diving into the Oklahoma City Thunder beating the LA Clippers and showing why they are an elite team we're talking about that and more including gordon hayward's debut uh, and everything else that happened from this game but today's show is brought to you by our good friends over at linkedin linkedin jobs helps you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked in mba that's linkedin.com slash locked in mba to get your job for free uh, and, and post your job for free terms and conditions do apply the oklahoma city thunder have a trait that is similar to those great warrior teams. And it's why that the Thunder are an elite basketball team. Even as they've had this season where they've been top five in offensive, defensive, and net rating for the entire season, there's still been some reservation. There's still been some caution with this Thunder team. That should all go away after this game against the Clippers because When you look at this game, it had a playoff atmosphere. It had a playoff feel to it. It was a two, you know, you know, two of the three best teams in the West fighting in a very, very, very close Western Conference standings race. And the Thunder showed a trait that elite teams possess. They were able to have one of those avalanche runs. And to be an elite team, you have to be able to go on these massive runs. And the Thunder did that. There was 10 lead changes in the first half. But in the second half, the Thunder went wire to wire with the win. The Clippers never led in the second half of this game. There were seven ties in this one. Uh, Only two of them came in the second half. And the Thunder eventually get up by 22 points and forced the Clippers to wave the white flag with like three minutes left. It was just all she wrote. In this game, they did that on the back of a 20 to 5 run. So when you look at this game, it starts out as this uh, trading buckets contest where each team's matching. Shea's in a zone, Kawhi's in a zone, like those two guys are going at it. Uh, and, and it's really just a knockout, drag out fight. And it feels like, hey, this is going to be like a battle of attrition. This is just going to be who can outlast the other in the first game back from the all-star break. That's going to be the difference in this game. But instead, the Thunder have a complete team effort and they keep chipping away, keep chipping away. And eventually, you look up and the Thunder are up 20 points. That feeling of... It feels like an intense game. It feels like a close game. It feels like this game is going to go down to the wire. 
to in the blink of an eye, it goes from that to this is a blowout win. That's what those Warrior teams were so great at. And they did it in different ways, right? The Warriors could go on an avalanche run because of their incredible three-point shooting. And, of course, that's the easiest way to go on these massive runs because, of course, three points are the most you can get routinely uh, in basketball. And, and whenever you can blitz in you know, six threes, it can get out of hand in a hurry. The way that the Thunder go on these avalanche runs mainly comes on the defensive end. It's shutting down a couple transition opportunities for the Clippers and, and bogging down their half-court sets and turning that defense into offense with their fast-break points. Like it, it comes from the defensive end. It comes from 11 blocks as a team, nine steals, and again, winning fast-break 30-10. to 10. It comes from these energy-giving plays on both sides of the floor, but specifically hanging your hat defensively and letting that carry you offensively. And because of that, the Thunder were able to turn a game that felt like it would go the distance to a game that was over, over by the midway point in the fourth quarter and really over at the end of the third quarter. Got to give credit to, to, to the crowd because that plays a part in it as well. That That is what the Warriors also fed off of back in those massive runs was how great uh, their crowd is and was. Uh, back then to even compound the problem in this Paycom Center crowd was raucous on Thursday. But the Thunder uh, just did what they had to do to show you that they are an elite basketball team. Again, you, it's been all year long now. There's only 27 games left, and they've been a top-five team offensively, defensively in that rating uh, for that entire you know stretch. And at each turn, they, they've shown you that they can do these things, have uncommon maturity, go on these runs. And to put the cherry on top, they have you know one of the best stars in a star-driven league. They have a really good head coach. I think they have one of the best coaches in the NBA. So when you just put out the blind resume and you forget what the expectations were, you forget uh, what the age of this team is and inexperience of this team is, if you just put their resume out there and didn't attach it to an organization, didn't attach it to uh, your, you know, your preseason biases, and you just looked at what this team has accomplished to this point, you would be calling this team a title contender. And so I think that th this game shows you that they have the ability, again, to compete with anybody and to have a deep postseason run uh, of course, that is all dependent upon health and, and and how the bracket breaks and things of that nature. But this Thunder team is legit. And they keep beating the door down to tell you that they're an elite team, to tell you that they are one of the best in the NBA. But you got to pick up the phone. You, you got to answer whenever they're beating this door down. And, and at some point, the reservation has to stop and the qualifiers have to stop. And, uh, you know, you just have to look at what this team is factually on paper. And I, I think that one of the most, uh, you know, encouraging signs of that is that we talk about, you know, the defense is what led to a lot of this success. You have two guys that are extremely uncommon. SGA getting a couple blocks and a steal. J-Dub uh, getting three blocks and a steal. But more than that, they're, they're, they're 
always engaged defensively. They're always making the right rotations defensively. They're making your life miserable on that end, even whenever it doesn't show up in the box score. For your two high-usage offensive stars to be doing that on the defensive end is incredibly rare in the modern NBA. And you not only have one of those guys, but you have two. And I think that it starts with SGA as a tone setter of even though he's the star, even though he's you know top three in MVP, even though um, you know he he is you know the whole franchise uh, face of the franchise type of player. And there's only so many of those. Like some some teams don't have a face of the franchise. They have a franchise. They don't have a face. So the, the, there's a very limited number of faces of the franchise, and Shea's one of them. For him to be so engaged and so locked in defensively uh, and play at such a high level on that end of the floor. Uh, I think that that is what kind of trickles down to the rest of the roster. Because if he's going to show that much defensive effort, if he's going to show that much attention to detail defensively, again, going beyond the the steals and blocks and looking at uh, how he fills gaps, how he rotates uh, and how he switches, if he's going to do all those things, then what's, you know, what's your excuse if you're not doing those things? And so I think that it all falls down from there. And especially whenever you have a guy like Shea, who's such a high-usage offensive player, a guy like J-Dub, who in his minutes, of course, is a high-usage offensive player you know, because of what he's asked to do when Shea's not on the court. For those two guys to still have the ability to tap into more and more and more from themselves, right? To tap into more energy, to tap into more, um, you know, just, just – sure sheer like you know will and not be fatigued and not be kind of uh you know having to sacrifice on either end just continues to show you how uncommon this team is and how elite this team is you look at other stars around the nba who who carry a load offensively especially the load that shea carries offensively they're not playing defense at a very high level they're they're, they're most of the time not playing defense at an even average level right so this is uh something that i think that the thunder can rely on and depend on even in the postseason. And Shea was asked about that postgame of, of um, you know, how much of this translates to the postseason. And, and the Thunder feel very confident in that, that it's just basketball at the end of the day. It's still basketball uh, when the calendar turns to April. It's just, of course, more intense or more, you know, more, you know, pressurized for each possession because each possession you're getting closer and closer to your goal of winning a championship. And I think that this Thunder team has what it takes to, to and they've proven they have what it takes uh, to, as one of the best teams in the Western Conference. And I, I don't think that you go into any series with this Thunder team fearful or, or, or on the outside chance you might be able to win it. I think that you have a very good chance to win any series put in front of you. Of course, there's varying degrees to that, right? Like there's going to be better matchups and worse matchups for the Thunder, but the Thunder will never go into a series with this core and think there's no shot or think this has got to be one of those anomaly series. This has got to be the We Believe Warriors to, to get it done. It's never going to be that with this group. And I think that that just shows that whenever you whenever you flip the advantage back to yourself, right, whenever you're not relying on some you know fluky aspect and you're relying on your own defense, which a lot of the times, especially – in this NBA where like there's, there's going to be possessions where there's just nothing you can do. Like, even if you play fantastic defense uh, you know, they're still going to make the shot because, because the league is so good and so evolved. So you've got to take those possessions no matter if you're playing engaged defense or not, those are going to, those shots are going to go in. But 
whenever you can control your defensive energy and effort uh, and intensity night in and night out and possession by possession, you can generate more stops than, than any other team in the league because, uh, you know, you, you're going to be at least trying on that end of the floor. And the Thunder have a unique ability uh, or, or I should say, you know, more sustained ability to translate that defense into offense because of how versatile they are, because no matter who got the stop, no matter who collects the loose ball, no matter who gets the rebound, no matter who does those things, they can immediately push the tempo. They're all really good passers. They're all really good handlers. They, they all can push the tempo and, and get out uh, in front. So you're not waiting around for one heliocentric guy to come and set things up. You can just go, go, go. And that does not give the other team to get you know an opportunity to get set. Uh, defensively, that does not give another opportunity, you know, an opportunity for the team to react, uh, you know, in either capacity uh, you, for your matchup, and all these things stack up to to lead to big moments, big runs, and big wins like this one for Oklahoma City. So we'll talk more about this game coming up, but first, I want to say here right now about our good friends over at StitchFix.com slash Locked On. Stitch Fix is great. So you know. Uh, you know, that instant confidence boost that you get from an outfit that makes you look really good. That's what you get from Stitch Fix. With Stitch Fix, you get a stylist to understand your style, size, and budget, uh, and they can help uh, make shopping for you easy and update your wardrobe throughout the seasons of your life. So go check it out today because it's easy to upgrade your wardrobe with a professional stylist to help you find new on trend favorites that still work for you. Uh, you just give your stylist, your, you know, your, your size, style, and budget, uh, and, and, and your preferences, and boom, you open up the box and, uh, you know, you get what you want. No subscription required. Uh, they just send, you know, they send you about five just for you pieces. Uh, and you get recommendations and pro styling tips with it as well. Uh, you keep what works and you send the rest back. Uh, that's how it works at, at Stitch Fix. And so your stylist always sends uh, just the right pieces and the fit is on point and you, you have the right styles that you want. Again, that's very trendy, but also very you as well. So Stitch Fix makes it all so easy for you. Uh, if you don't like shopping, especially like, like you don't have the time for it, you just don't think that, you know, you don't, you don't want to invest the time of shopping for yourself. Uh, you'd rather shop for others. This is going to save you time and effort. Plus, get you some really cool outfits as well. So check it out today. Uh, and if you don't have something that you love, just send it all back. Shipping returns and exchange exchanges are always free. Uh, so uh, make sure that you go there right now because style uh, makes you feel as good as you look with Stitch Fix. Go check it out today and get started at stitchfix.com slash locked on. That's stitchfix.com slash locked on. Stitchfix.com slash locked on. We're back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your teams every day. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you talking Thunder basketball. Subscribe for free across all podcasting platforms so you never miss an episode, including on YouTube. Uh, make sure you subscribe to YouTube, uh, and we're going to recap the Wizards game over there as well tonight. So check it out today uh, at Lockdown Thunder on YouTube podcast, wherever else you get your um podcast from and also check out the lockdown sports today youtube channel because that they've launched the first ever 24 7 streaming channel on youtube and now also available on amazon fire tv with a free fire tv channel app so go check out lockdown sports today uh, it's here for you 24 7 covering the latest stories and best stories in sports uh, with our local experts 
plus national shows covering every league. So go check it out today at Lockdown Sports Today, now available on uh, a free Fire TV channels app and on YouTube. This was a great game for the Thunder. Obviously, anytime that you beat a team as good as the Clippers and beat them uh, decisively, 129 to 107, it's a good day. But I just cannot rave enough about how good defensively the Thunder were. 11 uh, blocks, 9 steals, 37% from 3 for the Clippers, uh, 45% from the floor for the Clippers, and 14 turnovers total for them. You look at what the Clippers were able to do, and I think that this game – specifically kind of shows what Mark was trying to explain pregame or did explain pregame of, of yes, the Thunder give up a lot of threes, but it's, it's calculated threes and, and it's, um, you know, it, or it's threes that you're kind of willing to live with, so to say. And he explained how it, it, the NBA offenses are so good that you can't take everything away. Yes, in an ideal world, the, the, the opposition would score zero points because you, you'd play fantastic defense for 48 minutes and they'd never score. That's just not how it is. Like you have to, you have to gear up and pick your poisons in, in, in the NBA nowadays. Of let's take this away and let's live with this. And the Clippers only shot thirty-seven percent from three. And it was mainly, you know, you 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 were funneling some of these shots uh, to uh, Norm Powell, of course, who shot four for nine. Uh, and, and you know, you had uh, Norm Powell right? Shooting these open threes. And so when those shots go in, it feels like, oh my gosh, how did they not go contest this corner three from Norm Powell? But the thing is you gave up nine Norm Powell threes attempts and he only made four of them for the benefit of holding Paul George in check relative to to his standards. Of course, 14 points uh, on 37% shooting. That's holding Paul George in check. You, You gave that up. Uh, for for the, your ability to play defense on Harden, who had 17, uh, and again, 17 points from Harden. It's still a really good stat line, 17 points, and he, sh- and he made 55% of his shots. Like, I'm not saying that Harden played bad, but like, that's just, that was not a Harden mega game, like, from a, from a guy of his caliber scoring the basketball. So, like, you, you, you're kind of purposefully, not to say you're purposefully letting open threes go by, but if that's the, the final outcome because you're overloading and because you're you're focusing more on on taking away the paint and taking away um, you know guys like Paul George and guys like James Harden, then then you kind of live with it at that point. And the Thunder only give up 37 percent from three uh, in this game. The Thunder won points in the paint, 54 to 42. Uh, they they lost second chance points by eight. And you mentioned how they dominated fast break points. The Thunder actually won the rebounding battle, 44 to 42. Um, but I think ultimately, you know, a lot of that factors in with with garbage time as well. But the Thunder could not have made a bigger statement in this game. And one of the big flips was whenever in the second half they start Isaiah Joe instead of Josh Giddy, and you know, I think that this is a very common thing. Let's start with that. This is a very common thing for Mark, which is why I never understood all the outrage of like, of like, oh, you know, are they going to play Josh too much if he's struggling in the postseason? The Thunder have since since any you know Mark has been here any length of time. You know, even whenever the Thunder were were, were losing and only winning a you know twenty something games, Mark has always made these adjustments of like whoever's playing the best will play that night, and you know they'll go back to the drawing board the next day. And so I think that. I would not read too much into this. The fact that Josh Giddy only played 22 minutes and Isaiah Joe started the second half, I don't think that they'll change the starting lineup against Washington. But I do think that like it just is another feather in the cap of everybody calm down. If Josh Giddy's not playing well in the postseason, 
he won't play. That's why he has a career low minutes this year because he's not he's not been playing well in the majority of these games. He's the Thunder will do right by this team and will do right by what the game dictates. And if Josh Giddy is playing well and Josh Giddy is playing good basketball like he did against Toronto, like he did against Orlando, like he did against these other teams, he'll ha- he'll have a little bit of a boost uh, in, in those minutes uh, accordingly. Now, the reason why starting Isaiah Joe works so well in the second half is because, one, Isaiah Joe has the threat of shooting, which which does not allow you to put your big man on him and leave him alone in the corner and, and play off of him and bog everything else down. But number two is because of how active he is. Because, you know, you saw multiple easy buckets from Isaiah Joe that just were from his sheer activity level and and ability to read the floor off ball. We talk about reading the floor a lot as, a, as an on-ball player, but cutting behind the action uh, after the defense commits to Chet Holmgren or, or after the defense commits to J-Dub, cutting behind that uh, you know second layer back door and being the recipient of easy dunks, of course, gets you personally points, but also you cannot find easier points than that. And that, that right there is why the Thunder have built out a roster of just guys who can make high-level passes and high-level reads on the ball because they've also got a roster of guys who can make reads off ball to make life simple and to generate easy opportunities. And so Isaiah Joe goes four for five uh, from the floor, one for two from three, uh, nine points off the bench, two rebounds and an assist. Of course, you have to appreciate uh, his level of defense as well. Uh, Undersized as he may be, he plays a lot bigger than he is on the end of the floor. And specifically, he can move his feet so well to stay in front of even the most elite offensive players that Isaiah Joe was a big part of this game off the bench and getting the start in the in the second half. Uh, really, the entire bench played exceptionally well. I mean, Kendrick Williams played well. Um, I think Gordon Hayward played awesome in 13 minutes. The the thing with Gordon Hayward is the offense is going to come. So the 0 for 2 doesn't bother me. You know, he, he kind of fumbled away a ball at one point. That doesn't bother me. Uh, the four rebounds and the defense is what uh, you really sink your teeth into as like a very, very, very positive sign for Gordon Hayward. He, he talked about it on Wednesday about how the the thing that he's he's dug the most into is this team's defense because it is a, a different style. And he was a net positive defensively from, from gapping to switching uh, to rotating. Plus, when he did get put into action and put onto Paul George at the top of the key, multiple times he stayed in front and contested the shot, both getting downhill toward whenever Paul George was getting downhill toward the rim, he contested the shot at the rim, and whenever Paul George tried to dance around on the perimeter and, and get off a jump shot, he was there to contest as well. So so that net positive defensively in his first game back since Santa Claus was in town, and, uh, you know, of course, with the calf strain that he's coming back from in his first game back, like those things matter because I'm so highly confident in the offense coming around. And I think that even offensively, he played really well, just by being out there. Because look at how uh, the defensive uh, coverage has changed when you have Gordon Hayward out there. Uh, even though he went 0 for 2, he didn't take a single three-point shot because he's sitting in the corner and, and a guy's hugging him out there. And that, that takes a guy out of the out of the situation, out of the play. And so they ran a lot of stuff away from Gordon Hayward because they knew that, that his guy would you know be attached to him and, and his guy would stay with him in the corner, and that basically takes takes uh, you know a defender out of the play. 
if you've got to stay home and stay disciplined on Gordon Hayward uh, and, and you're not going to roam off of him, you, you take him out of the play if you can set up your action, uh, you know, at the top or, or, or kind of in the opposite slot of Gordon Hayward in the corner. So, like, even though Gordon Hayward did not make a shot, Gordon Hayward was a, was a good offensive weapon because of the spacing he could provide and was a net positive defensively. Uh, with, with what he does on that end of the floor. So I think that this was a really good debut for Gordon Hayward, uh, and I would not be shocked if you see you know, that offense come by in terms, of, uh, in terms of actual stats sooner rather than later because we just know what kind of offensive player Gordon Hayward is in this league and has been in this league consistently uh, you know, for, for various teams. Lou Dort deserves you know, all the flowers in this game uh, because you know what he does defensively, and he plays high-level defense against a team that has – a plethora of scores, you know, in Harden, Kawhi, Paul George, like these, you know, these guys all can score the basketball. They can put the pumpkin in the patch, but they all do it in various ways to where, you know, it, it, it's, it's sometimes a loss of like how much your attention or uh, game plan or, or points of emphasis change when you're switched on to Harden versus Paul George versus Kawhi. Like how much is required of you and what's required of you changes with those three guys so dramatically that for Lou Dort to be able to, to switch, you know, mid plays and, and possessions and not only just switch and like just be a, a warm body that can stay in front, but can be a guy that can really, really, really frustrate and lock down uh, the opposition, no matter their skill set of just sheer power or finesse or, or, or whatever it is. It cannot be understated how good of a defender he is. Two blocks and a steal for Lou Dort. Uh, 19 points from him. Uh, you know, an assist, three rebounds as well. He went three for six from three. He had a couple really good rim finishes. Um, you know, for for this team and transition a couple times and and also uh, as a cutter once. So like, I think that that Lou Dort uh, could not have played a more perfect game uh, against the Clippers. And then Chet Holmgren, like there were there were games where Chet Holmgren looked a little sluggish before the All Star break, um, you know, working wall maybe or just like didn't have his legs maybe. But you come back from the All Star break, he shoots three for six from three, shoots fifty percent from the floor, ten rebounds, three assists, three blocks, seventeen points, and Chet Holmgren was just a force in this game. Uh, you know the the the. the Officials gave him a couple of ticky tack fouls. So like he had four fouls, but I, I think that really, you know, probably half of those were not warranted. And so that brings you down to two, and it's really in line with what you with what you more you would more want to see from your center. Um, but Chet Holmgren, you know, I think that he didn't you know needed an all-star break uh to get his legs back under him a little bit. And you saw, you know, that that everyone on the team looked better shooting the basketball than they did during that little tiny mini stretch uh, before the break because it just was, uh, you know, a fatigue fest after a after a brutal January where you played so many games in January uh, to get that reprieve in February. Um, I think has kind of reset this team, so to say, as as, as shooters especially because you saw after that January stretch, like shots were missing short, and these guys were just kind of tired because it was, you know, they played the maximum amount of games you're allowed to play. In January, that's a very, very, very tough challenge. Uh, but you cannot tell the story of this game without Jada and Chet, uh, and, and and without Jada and Shea, I should say. Um, and we talked about them defensively in the first segment, but offensively, like Jada's exclamation point dunk, spilling into crowds, that was that was great. His two for four threes, like his threes, just feel so big whenever he knocks them down. But SGA, 
SGA once again shows that he is this big-time player who makes big-time plays in big moments. And we're going to talk about that coming up. But first, I want to say right now about our good friends over at eBay Motors. Check them out today at eBay Motors because eBay is getting you the uh, right parts and the perfect fit for your ride to keep your ride or die alive. But they're also partnering with Locked On Fantasy Basketball host Josh Lloyd to bring you the best fantasy picks each week all season long. So no matter if you're prepping for a daily draft or scouting the waiver wire, every week they're going to provide you players that are guaranteed to fit your roster. So uh, let's see who Josh has a pick this week for the eBay Guaranteed Fit Fantasy Pick of the Week. He has uh, he has Scoot Henderson as an option, Marvin Bagley, Kelly Olenek, Trey Mann. You know who we're rocking with. It's Trey Mann. Trey Mann is a guy who has filled it up in the stat sheet, especially in the stats that matter for fantasy basketball. So if Trey Mann's still available in your league, go pick him up to make sure if it's your roster, get you over the hump to, to, for the stretch run of this fantasy season. So check it out today. It's Josh Lloyd. It's the Lockdown Fantasy Basketball uh, Pick of the Week. Go check out Lockdown Fantasy Basketball to help you go win your league. But check out eBay Motors to get a championship uh, vibe with your ride or die uh, uh, car. So check it out today. It's the perfect fit guaranteed with your vehicle. And with over 122 million parts to choose from, your number one ride or die can stay alive and running smoothly from brake kits, LED lights, headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it for you. That's eBay's guaranteed fit. It's the guaranteed fit uh, for your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. eBay guaranteed fit, only available to U.S. customers, eligible items only, and exclusions do apply. We're back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your teams every day. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you talking to Thunder basketball. One of the most, you know, you know, best parts about this Thunder win is that the Thunder keep the NBA belt, uh, the Lockdown NBA belt. So that's great. It's on the line again, though, against the uh, Wizards uh, on Friday. Uh, so they, they've they've now weathered the storm. Uh, you know, winning against Sacramento, Orlando, and now LA. Can they continue to keep the belt? And one of the longest runs I think that we've, we're going to see this season, uh, as long as they can take care of business TCB um, against Washington. SGA shows that he is a high-level, high-game player because he had the Clippers tripping, stumbling, tumbling, rumbling in this game. He sent Norman Powell on a one-way ticket to the island, like to, to, to an island of no man's land where he just kind of goes down the floor, puts on a little move on, on Norman Powell, takes that step back, elbow jumper, and Norman Powell just literally flies out of frame, flies out of frame, and has no shot to contest. Against Paul George, is one of the most you know and best defenders in the NBA. He he goes with this in and out crossover move that loses Paul George on his way to the rim. Like he can just put you on an island in isolation and make you pay. No matter how good of a defender you are, no matter what your reputation is as a defender, he can just make you pay. And 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 what we've said all year long is that he can force you to be wrong. If you play him too high, if you play off of him, there's no right answer because he can adapt in real time to whatever coverage you throw at him to whatever um, you know you want to try to dictate to him, it's going to be on his terms each and every time down the floor. And the biggest thing has been his three-point uptick. 
you know, since Jalen won, he's shooting over 40% from three. It includes three for six from three tonight uh, in this game, four rebounds, eight assists, and we mentioned the four steals. Uh, I'm sorry, four rebounds, eight assists, uh, the one steal and two blocks. Uh, we mentioned that earlier. 31 points and a plus 21 in this game. And speaking of J-Dub as well in this conversation, SGA leaves the game. Uh, you know, he he did play for like another couple of possessions in the fourth quarter, which I, I think that that's really a good job by Mark of the, the Thunder were flowing and, and playing so well at the end of the first quarter. Uh, I'm sorry, at the end of the third quarter to grow that lead. And they start with the basketball in the fourth quarter. So start with Shea in the fourth quarter uh, and then take him out at the next dead ball because you want to keep uh, putting on more steam toward that toward that lead that you were growing at the end of the third quarter. I thought that was a really good good uh, thing. But obviously, for the sake of, of, of just talking about it, you know, he leaves the game to start the fourth quarter and the Thunder up 14, comes back in and the Thunder up 14. And like that in and of itself shows the depth and, and, and the ability of this of this roster that against a team who's one of the best in the Western Conference since the James Harden trade, if not the best in the Western Conference since the James Harden trade, against a team like this, you know, once they found their bearings with them about the James Harden trade, they've been one of the best in the NBA. They're third in the West, uh, you know, entering this game. Against a team like this, you could take SGA off the floor and, you know, the other side, whenever you, you know, take out a, a guy like SGA or a guy like Luka or a guy like that, who is so like, you know, who is so just, offensively gifted, you're clearly going to just naturally take a sigh of relief and try to get on your stuff and, and go play good basketball. But SGA doesn't, you know, you know, this team is so good that like whenever SGA comes out of the game, they can still at, at worst maintain the lead and at best to grow the lead. And whenever he comes back in, he can just have a you know back breaking sequence as he did in this game against the Clippers. So I think that that's another sign. As you keep, keep talking about these signs, and we saw the signs, uh, and it opened up our eyes of how good this Thunder team is. Like that's another sign of how elite this Thunder team is. Is that you can take SGA out even against this, you know, monstrous Clippers team, and maintain your lead, and then eventually force the Clippers to just outright quit. And, and the and the fact that Ty Lue just admitted after the game that he does not want to play the Thunder anymore, and that he's glad, even though they think lost the tiebreaker. Uh, in this game to the Thunder. He's glad that they don't have to play the Thunder anymore. Like It just shows you how frustrating this Thunder team is. I don't care how old they are. I don't care what their basketball reference page says in terms of how many playoff games that they've played. This Thunder team is one of the best teams in the NBA. This Thunder team is elite, and they have traits that follow suit with elite teams from past seasons. And so I think that the Thunder, just you could not have scripted a better game for the Thunder to have first game out of the All-Star break. Uh, now, the the... The interesting challenge will be second night of back-to-back against a very, very, very bad Washington team following, you know, this this excellent win. How do you continue to keep chipping away? How do you continue to um, set this tone out of the break? But you have an opportunity here in, in, in a Western Conference that is defined, you know, right now by a game. You're, you're a game away from first place. Um, you have the opportunity here the first five games. You've already beat your toughest competition. You're going to play the, the Wizards next. You're going to play two Rockets games, and the Rockets look like they're in disarray. Uh, but, you you know, th- those two teams always play each other tough. Uh, and then you're going to play the Spurs. Like, you have a chance here to really set a tone and a timber, uh, temper, what, what is it, whatever, out of the All-Star break and really help you get to uh, where you want to go in terms of uh, being one of the best, if not the best team in the Western Conference. And so I think that this is going to be uh, an awesome, awesome time to follow this Thunder team. So make sure you follow along 
Unlocked on Thunder, anywhere you get your podcast from, including on YouTube and, of course, on all podcasting platforms as well. You had a lot of great takes about this game uh, on Twitter following the game. We, we asked for your takeaways. I did read them all. We are, of course, running uh, low on time, uh, but I, I think that it was great to see how much fun this season has been uh, for for you all, because a lot of you I see in the replies of the YouTube videos and the replies of Twitter, you guys have stuck with Locked on Thunder even whenever the team was winning 20-something games, and uh, I'm really, really glad that you've continued to grow with the show. I think that we've gotten a lot better as a show um, you know, as we've as we've continued to put out more and more and more stuff, put out the most stuff uh, there is out there. And uh, and then, of course, the team's gotten a lot better too, so it's really rewarding as well for you all who, who have invested the time to follow this team uh, day in and day out. So, uh, you know, my Gilmore is very, very excited about this Thunder team as well. My dog is uh, uh, really antsy right now, so I'm going to go let her out and uh, let you all out. School's out for summer. School's out forever. Uh, we're going to go talk uh, about this Wizards game after the Wizards game is over uh, tonight, so stay tuned for that. Subscribe anywhere you get your podcast from, including on YouTube. And until tonight, be good and be good to one another.